Okay, we're con continuing our study through the Old Testament, and we're working on 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, if the Lord allows us to get in there today. 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, we're working on. Last time we got to see the prophet Elijah come on the scene in the northern kingdom. And he went straight to the evil king Ahab and delivered a powerful message to him from the Lord. This message could have been a message of repentance had he taken it the right way, but instead it became a message of judgment. And we know God's heart. You know, even when he gives these messages that sound like pure judgment, we know his desire is that none should perish. I mean, you remember the message he sent to, um, it's going to come to me a minute here, Jonah. <laughs> I was thinking Nahum. No, it's not Nahum, it's Jonah. <laughs> yeah, so sorry about that, guys. The brain is it's one of these not good days. <laughs> okay, just to warn you, I told you the warfare's kicked up. But in that message, it was a message of judgment, and yet the whole place got re got saved. Nineveh completely came to the Lord, right? So when we see these hard messages, realize the Lord is not wanting to do these things. He's hoping they repent. And then he can say, great, we'll just call this whole thing off. So the Bible tells us here, too, that he sends rain on the just and on the unjust as well. But in our passage today, the Lord's going to bring that rain to an end. And there comes a time when that's going to happen. Now, the northern kingdom of Israel has been blessed by the rain coming from the Lord up until now. But they've turned against him, you know, and they've instead turned to worship the false god Baal. So the Lord's going to teach them that he is the true God and that Baal, who's supposedly the God who controlled the weather, was a false God. So let's start reading at chapter 17. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that doesn't happen. Uh, chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And we talked about that a little bit last time that the Lord sent Elijah with a message and it wasn't until after the message was given, then he gave him the next step. Okay, now you need to run and hide. And we talked about our need to trust the Lord no matter what step he's got us on and uh, he doesn't always tell us the whole future. He'll just let us know what we need to know when the time comes. So we just trust him. So we got down to verse 4 last time. Let's jump in here. As this, go, this goes on, this message from the Lord, he tells him where to go by this brook that's called Cherith, and it goes into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So we talked about it last time that the Lord was sending him to this place that was outside the promised land. And he was also going to now supernaturally provide food for him by these ravens. But I don't know if we mentioned this last time or not, but these ravens are defiled birds, according to the law of Moses. They're considered uh, unclean. So here's the Lord doing, again, some amazing things here. It's a strange picture. You know, he's going to use an unclean bird to provide the needs for his servant. All right. We learn from this, though, that the Lord can take care of us. Even if we live in a pagan land, 
and even if he has to use a defiled creature to bring us food. God can do these things. So here for, for the prophet Elijah, this had to be humbling for him and also faith building. And that's why a lot of this is happening, you know, and same with us, the circumstances we face when God calls us to step out in faith because it's bigger than us and it's not what we expected, that's to build our faith, help us to grow stronger in our trust for him. You know, I've heard too, I don't know if you've studied ravens at all, but I heard from somebody who looked into that a little bit, they said the raven is really not the smartest bird because it doesn't even remember to take care of its young sometime. <laughs> so imagine this, the Lord is not only using a defiled bird, but also probably one of the dumbest birds <laughs> to take care of Elijah's daily food supply. And the people back then knew a lot more about the animals than we probably do in our city culture per se. So I'm, I'm sure Elijah's like, oh my goodness, I hope this works. You know, <laughs> well, here's what's going on. So I think the Lord does have a sense of humor. You know, when he sets things up here. And you know, the Lord loves to bless us, and he loves to take care of us when we're in over our heads like this. And Elijah was in over his head. He's got an evil, angry king after him now, and he's going to have to have a place to hide. And there's a, a drought coming, no rain for three years. We know the end of the story. So this is a difficult time, and he's going to have to trust the Lord here. And the Lord's going to take care of him just fine. You know, it's at times like that when we're in overhead that we realize it has to be the Lord who's meeting our needs because it's an impossible situation. And I don't know if you've heard this lately, but it's something that's kind of one of the pet peeves I've got where people, and I just heard this the other day, you know, somebody said, I heard it both ways. Somebody said, uh, the Lord never gives us more than we can handle. And I heard somebody else say, the Lord does give us more than we can handle. And you guys, you know the truth. The Lord does give us more than we can handle. That's why we cry out to him. That's why we ask for help. The passage, it talks about that, that people like to, to get it from. It says the Lord doesn't take us and give us temptation beyond what we can handle because he always makes a way out. But the Lord will give us more than we can handle. So don't be discouraged when the load gets too heavy for you. It's intentional. So you can say, Lord, I can't do this. I need you. And Lord says, that's why I'm here. And you help us in those impossible situations. So look down to the passage here in verse 5. Now, he's been told these birds have been commanded by the Lord to feed him. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he stayed by the brook Cherith, which, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So Elijah obeyed the Lord, and we love to see that, you know. Even though Israel was filled with people doing evil on a daily basis, I mean, wicked, wicked culture here, it sure shines brightly when a person simply does what the Lord tells them to do. And it makes it real clear here in verse 5. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He obeyed God. That's so cool to see. So don't think that the Lord overlooks that in your life and my life when we're living in a culture that is turning further away from him all the time. When we stand for the Lord, we live for the Lord, the Lord loves to see that, that shining light coming from us. It's the light of his son, Jesus Christ. So be encouraged. Don't think that we do this and is anybody even noticing? Yes, the Lord is noticing your love for him. So the Lord fulfilled his promise here to Elijah. The ravens, they had a, a daily grocery delivery for Elijah here twice a day. You know, that's 
that's better than the Walmart pickup, you know, that's right there delivered to you. You might have a little bird beak to take it from, but, you know. <clears throat> you know what else is interesting here? It said in verse 4 that the Lord had commanded these ravens to take care of Elijah, and even they obeyed the Lord. Now think of that picture. <laughs> You've got these defiled ravens, unclean, according to the law of Moses. They've got enough sense to obey the Lord God of Israel, but God's own people were refusing to do so. I think there's a message in that one too, how bad this looks in the eyes of the Lord. You know, So I think it was intended that way to look bad. These people should have, when they hear this story, even today when this is read in the synagogues and temples, they should have a conviction there that, wow, that's pretty bad. When the animals we won't even touch, they're obeying the Lord and we're not. So verse 7 goes on. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So the Lord was allowing this brook to dry up. He told him, I'm going to send you here. You'll have all your needs met. And uh, now the, the time is changing here because he's getting ready to send Elijah to a different place. So to do that, he's allowing the brook to dry up, okay? And if you or I notice that the Lord is letting the brook dry up in our life, it's quite possible he's getting ready to send us on our next mission. So don't be discouraged if you see that happen. You know, our first thought is usually, Lord, why is this happening to me? And the Lord is saying, I got a plan. <laughs> There's a reason this is happening to you, okay? So just be ready to move if that's what it is. There may be times... The Lord has just taken us through a low, low spell that we trust him more and get a deeper walk with him. But there are times when he's stirring things up like that, getting us ready to, to move to the next level or next place. So verse 8, it goes on. Then the word of the Lord came to him, talking about Elijah here, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So the Lord now lets Elijah in on the next step. And again, I, I love to see this with Elijah because the Lord doesn't tell him his entire plan for his life. He just reveals the next step when it's time. And I love to see Elijah being so obedient to the Lord. We don't see him, you know, saying, come on, you know, give me a break or anything like that. He just goes and does what he's supposed to do. And that's really cool to see. He's a great example for us. So we need to be patient too. When the Lord reveals the next step and not the whole plan for our life, I know we like answers, so we would love to see the whole picture, but the Lord doesn't operate that way. We probably wouldn't trust him as much if we knew what was coming around the next corner. But when we finally get there, it's like, oh, Lord, I need you now. You know, we sing that song, I need thee every hour, and we do need the Lord every hour, right? Yeah, so we need to make sure, though, that we obey everything we're supposed to for the step that we're in whatever step that might be. Now, this area that the Lord was sending him was uh, Zarephath here, uh, and it belongs, it says, to Sidon. This was a Gentile area also that he, Elijah was being sent to. It was outside the promised land. And the amazing part of this is this was the very land where Ahab's wife Jezebel came from. And that place where she came from was the very heart of Baal worship, or Baal worship, however you want to call that. So what a hiding place. I'm amazed at the strategy of the Lord here. King Ahab is never going to suspect that this is where Elijah is going to be hiding in about the most wicked place in the entire surrounding area. 
amazing wisdom of the Lord. I'll put you here, and he won't even bother to look here. <laughs> so it's pretty cool the way the Lord sets things up. And you notice who the Lord is going to have take care of Elijah here and provide for him? A widow. Now, that's probably the last person you would think of to take care of you. Because widows back then, they usually had such a hard time to survive just taking care of their own needs. And we find this, this lady's got a child, too. We're not given his age, but I'm thinking he's not that old. He's probably some young kid, probably teenager less, okay? So he's, the Lord's sending him here, and this lady, this widow, is going to be the one to take care of Elijah. And, you know, the Lord even let Elijah know ahead of time that it's going to be a widow that's providing for him. So that's going to take some faith for him to step out and believe on that one, you know? And we're not told of any conversations that Elijah had with the Lord about things like this, you know, but it makes me wonder if Elijah was having these conversations with himself in his mind. I think I would be. It's like, a widow, Lord? Are you sure? I mean, maybe I heard you wrong. You know, it's got to be something else. And, and somebody, I had to laugh, one of the commentators I was looking at, he said, maybe Elijah was hoping, maybe it's a very wealthy widow. You know, I get there, she's got everything going. We're going to see that's not the case either. That's really going to require some faith for people uh, to make it through this. And you know, sometimes when the Lord is leading us to do something too, it may not make any sense at all to us. But we know that if we trust the Lord, we step out in faith, and we obey him, that everything's going to work out as it's supposed to. So we really have to just trust the Lord. And, uh, you know, Dave and I were talking earlier, and it's a shame that people who don't know the Lord, they can't do that. When they're faced with impossible situations, a lot of times they run the wrong direction and do the wrong thing. But for those of us who know the Lord, we can understand, Lord, I just need to trust you more. I know you love me. I know everything you do in my life is based on love. So I just need to trust you more. And we draw closer to the Lord. What a comfort we have as believers, right? And by the way, this is another time where we see in Scripture that the Lord's servant is doing exactly what the Lord told him to do. He's obeying every step along the way, and yet he's having a pretty difficult life. <laughs> when you look at it, hide out here. Okay, I want you to go to this hiding spot. I'm going to have some birds feed you. I'm going to have a widow feed you. It's like, wow, this, isn't, this is not the top of the scale, right? So here's Elijah. He's having to hide, and for an extended period of time, too. This wasn't a one-week deal. This is probably over three years by the time it's over with. So when you and I obey the Lord and we're walking in his ways and we may find that we're on a very difficult path, the Lord does that. He calls us to those places, you know, and it's okay. The Lord does not promise us that his ways are always going to be easy. But there are great blessings and rewards for obedience when we trust the Lord and obey him during those times. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 19 for a second here. Matthew in the New Testament chapter 19. Because you do have thoughts sometimes about, Lord, man, we're doing things your way, but something just looks like it's not going right. Uh, Matthew 19 and down to verse 27 Good old Peter, he doesn't mind speaking what's on his mind, right? And we're thankful. We get some good answers as he does that. So Matthew 19, verse 27, Then Peter answered him and said to him, See, we've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? 
So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Interesting, Peter's saying, hey, what are we going to get out of this deal? And knowing Peter, I imagine he was wondering, like, what are we getting today and tomorrow? <laughs> and notice where the Lord drew his attention. I'm talking about eternal life. The life we have on earth is so short. You know, it's so short. Yeah, and I, had, I heard an interesting thing this week I'll share with you, too. I thought it was really cool. They were talking about a young child that didn't live very long. And at the funeral ceremony, the, the pastor there, he said, this child was not to live. The Lord didn't create this child to live less than 10 years. The Lord created this child to live forever. There's just a short time on this earth. But he created that child to live forever. And you know what? God created you and he created me to live forever. That's why he made us. It wasn't for the short time we have on this earth. So I thought that was so encouraging, you know, to think this is what our God is like. He creates people for eternity. He wants them to live forever, hopefully in his presence. But for those who choose not to follow him, they don't get that joy. But that's his desire. That's his goal. Okay. Uh, let's get back in verse 10 here, back in 1 Kings uh, 17. Verse 10 says, so he arose. Lord told me he's supposed to do this. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a woman, a widow was there driving in her limousine. No, that's not what it says, does it? No. A widow was there gathering sticks. Not even firewood, really, just sticks. This lady's really poor, okay? And he called to her and he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. So again here, we see, first of all, Elijah obey the Lord. And look how simple the Lord makes obedience. Look here. He arose and he went. That's what it says. <laughs> that was it. It looks really simple. And it appears, you know, that Jesus was looking for that in the disciples in the New Testament. One that was quick to obey, just doing what they're told. You know, one time Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and travel to the other side there. And it says they immediately got in the boat and they went. I thought, that is so cool to see. That's who Jesus is looking for. And to be honest with you, when we're making disciples for Christ, that's who we should be looking for too. People who are willing to say, yes, man, if that's what the Lord wants me to do, I'm good. I'm going. Yeah. The Lord didn't waste a lot of time on people that wanted to walk away and dilly-dally. He let them go. But for those who are willing to say, yeah, I'll do it right now. Boom, there's a disciple. Work with that person. Okay, so I guess a good question we ask ourselves right now is how long does it take us before we obey what the Lord clearly says we should do? Do we instantly get in the boat and go when he says do that? Or do we say, well, I want to finish my coffee first and I got a few other things I want to take care of today and I'll be right with you, Lord. Just hang on a second. Yeah, it's not a good mark of discipleship when we do that stuff. Verse 11 goes on. And as she was going to get it, so he, he asked her to get that cup of water, and she's actually going to go do this, okay? Good sign. He called to her, and he said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So first, Elijah just asked her for a little water to drink. 
So I guess he was testing the waters to see if this was the right widow. That was funny, by the way, testing the waters. He asked for water. Come on, guys. <clears throat> Verse 12. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, notice her wording there, the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And I wonder if that second Elijah was going, oh, great. <laughs> this lady's supposed to take care of me? Oh, we don't hear that. I don't know what he was thinking. I just know what I would be thinking there. And uh, she says, and see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and we may die. Wow. So she acknowledges here that the Lord, Yahweh, is Elijah's God, not hers. Okay, so real quickly we see where she's at with the Lord. It's kind of interesting. And notice here, we've got a lady here who doesn't know the Lord, and she has no hope for the future. She said, we're just going to eat a meal and die. Wow, that's a, that's a quick dead-end road, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So those two things seem to go together. A person who doesn't know the Lord and know what they don't have hope, you know? So that's one reason we want people to get saved, so they can know they have a great future coming. doesn't matter what happens in this life. It's the next life that's going to be so amazing. I mean, we want to serve the Lord in this life. We're not wasting it. But even if we have a rough way to go and a tough way like Elijah here, it's okay. we got a great future. It's going to be awesome. So this poor lady here, she was getting ready for her last supper. But it wasn't a worshipful last supper like we're used to when we celebrate communion. It was a worrisome Last Supper when all she could think of was death. Boy, that'll kill your appetite too, huh? So verse 13 goes on. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Isn't that amazing? He says, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Okay, and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. He's got a reason for saying this, and this is why he's telling her. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall a jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So the first things he tells her is not to fear. That's because she was afraid that after her son and her ate that last meal together, they were going to starve to death. It's not a fun way to go. Okay, and the Lord wants her to know, don't be afraid. Instead, trust me. And man, that's the answer to fear in our life, you know. When we have times where fear starts to rise up, the answer is trust the Lord. He's the one who's controlling things, right? So this is enough for this, where this lady's at in her life. It's enough to scare anybody. But the Lord doesn't want people to live in fear. He just wants people to live to trust him. And the Lord is powerful enough to take care of everyone. Now, you may have heard this passage used before, and I just point this out because I heard it somewhere else, that a lot of the prosperity preachers, false teachers that are out there, uh, they like to use this passage to encourage widows to send everything they got and even what they don't have. Because Elijah said, hey, give it to me first. Yeah, and that's, that's wicked that they do that, and they will answer to the Lord for playing that dirty game. Okay, that is not what the passage is talking about. The Lord is showing a miraculous way that he's going to provide for Elijah using a lady who's having such a hard time in her own life. It has nothing to do with 
uh, feeding these prosperity teachers there. So I just throw that out there so you're aware of that one. Now Elijah here, he told her to bring some food first before she made food for herself and for her son. Now that's going to cause this lady to have to take a step of faith. Because that doesn't make sense. I mean, she's, she knows how to cook food and stuff, but she knows there's only enough for one last meal and it's not really going to be a great one. Okay, so for her to step out and say, okay, I'm going to do this, that's going to take some faith, okay? And it's really cool here because the Lord God of Israel promised that she's going to have enough food to survive on for her and for her son for as long as they, they need it until the rain starts coming back in again and food becomes uh, available, okay? So it's a step of faith. Verse, 17, verse 15, I'm sorry. So she went away. And she did according to the word of Elijah, which was the word of the Lord, right? He's speaking through Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So another simple act of faith. She went and she did. That's what it says. And the result, the Lord fulfilled his promise. That is so cool. The Lord is impressing on us over and over. Trust me, do what I tell you, and I'll take care of things. Yes, over and over in the scripture. Wish we would get that one, right? <laughs> it's a simple principle. Why do we want to do things our own way first and then say, Lord, I messed up. Please fix it, and now help me get back on track again. He does, but, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. He's warned us so many times. And if you notice something here in verse 9, it said the Lord had commanded her to provide for Elijah. She doesn't consciously show any sign that she hears specifically from the Lord on anything, right? So we see here, the Lord moved in her heart and her mind to take care of Elijah. And she wasn't even aware that the Lord was doing that. Isn't that interesting? So it makes you wonder, how many times the Lord has done that to the people who may have come across our path, you know, during our lifetime, where the Lord has moved in their heart to do something, and we obviously see the hand of the Lord afterwards, and they didn't even know that God was doing that in them and through them. So here's this lady. She's one of those people. Verse 17, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So here's another person who's doing what the Lord told her to do. She's taking care of the prophet and, and seeing the miraculous provision of the Lord. And yet tragedy struck in her life. Wow. You know, the Lord told us that the trials would come. So we really shouldn't be too surprised when they do. And again, we just need to trust him. We need to draw closer. Well, this lady's getting hit with a giant trial. And there's a reason for it. Okay, verse 18. So she comes up to Elijah. She said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my son to remembrance and to kill my son? So here she is in another hopeless situation. My son's dead. And, and why? I mean, why did you come to my house and make this happen? Of course, she forgot the idea that they were going to die without Elijah coming, right? But anyway, she's, she's blaming him for this. But there was a real reason God brought her to this hopeless point. He wanted to reach her. He wanted her to find the Lord. 
But, but notice her first response. She thinks it must have happened because of some sin that she committed. You see that? She said, have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance? So there must have been something that she did in her life that she knew wasn't right, you know? Doesn't even tell us what it was. It's not important, really. But she's thinking, I must have brought this on myself by doing that, you know? And a lot of times we think that too, don't we? We'll think, what did I do to cause this? And it, it probably like this situation and other situations in the New Testament has nothing to do with it, okay? We can do some dumb things that bring trouble on ourselves, but a lot of times that's pretty clear, right? <laughs> but when we don't have a reason, always somebody starts searching, don't go there, you know, just go to the Lord. The Lord says that he allows his rain to fall on the just and the unjust, so it's not what you did or didn't do that's causing God's blessing or judgment at this point. In, in this world, death happens every day, right? We're all sinners, and it's a fallen world, so people die. There's not always something to blame on that what sin did they commit that caused this, or what did I do that caused this? We're in a world that's dying, and people die, okay? So don't look for excuses like that or reasons to, to blame. We're all going to die. But sin here didn't cause this situation. The Lord allowed it so he could reach her, all right? And you know, the Lord knows exactly what we need in order to come to him. Look at verse 19. Here's Elijah now. He says to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room. That's why I'm thinking this is probably a younger younger child, you know, unless Elijah is extremely stronger and so is a lady carrying this guy around. So I think it's a younger child that carried him. She, he was in her arms, and then Elijah comes and carries him to the upper room where he was staying, and he laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, and he said, O oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? I mean, he said, also bring tragedy on her. <laughs> He's looking at his life probably thinking, my life's not too great right now. I understand that, but... Oh, this lady, you know, she's been, she's been helping. He doesn't get it yet either, what's going on. So verse 21, he stretched himself out on the child three times, and he cried out to the Lord, and he said, O oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Now, drastic help was needed here, so he took drastic measures. He didn't just lay his hands on the boy. He spread himself out on the child, and he was crying out to the Lord. And we also see something here, too. There's nothing wrong with praying three times. You know, sometimes we get kind of fidgety about that and say, well, I don't want to have vain repetition. No, <laughs> if it's a burden on your heart, you keep praying, it's okay. It's all right. The Lord understands us, right? Verse 22, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Man, a resurrection just took place. Isn't this wild? And this always makes us think about Jesus when we talk about the resurrection. He's our living Savior, and he has conquered death for us. So real interesting. Verse 24 then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God. And notice that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. 
So the Lord had sent Elijah here to have his physical needs met for food. But at the same time, he sent him there to meet this widow's spiritual need for the bread of life. Okay, She came to believe that Elijah was speaking the truth. And this truth was the truth that comes from God. So she's believing now what the Lord said. Cool to see this. So let's notice something here. The Lord knows what it would take for someone to believe. For this widow, it took the resurrection of her son in order to help her to get to the point to really believe. Now, you would think that the miraculous flour that never ran out and, you know, the, the miraculous oil that did not run dry in the jar, that that would be enough to make her believe. We might say, yeah, those things she's going to believe, okay? But she didn't. For whatever reason, it took this lady's son dying and being brought back to life again to push her over the edge to believe. So this lady still had a choice to make, obviously. I mean, the Lord didn't force her to believe. He wasn't twisting her arm or anything. But the Lord brought her to that place where she could choose to say, yes, now I believe. Okay? And I think the Lord has taken a lot of people to that point. But because of the hardness of man's heart, they still choose to not believe. But I know the Lord, he knows what it takes to bring people to that point. And that's why sometimes you hear us pray that way. Lord, please do whatever it takes whatever it takes to get their attention, whatever it takes to help them believe. Now, he's not going to force them, but he will take them to that point. For her, the very bottom was, my son's dead. And she needed to hit that bottom in order to look up, you know, and trust the Lord. And the Lord brought that, that child back to life. What amazing testimony here. There's something interesting I want us to see on this too, the same idea. Look at Luke chapter 16 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 16, if you want to see this, if not, I'll just read it to you. It's a familiar story. I know the story of the rich man and Lazarus and the discussion that was going on in that, that holding place where they were, Abraham's bosom, and uh, he was in a place of torment there. But in Luke chapter 16, if you look down to verse 27, Here's the, uh, the Pharisee that had died here that was speaking now. And he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, talking to Abraham, that you would send him to my father's house. Talking about saying, why don't you send Lazarus, you know, send him to his, to the, his father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And so uh, he said to him, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He thought he knew what it would take, right? But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, uh, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And of course, Jesus did that. He rose from the dead, and there are still people who refuse to believe, right? So we may think that, that we know what it would take for somebody to believe, but really, only the Lord knows that. And you know, the words that the Lord gave us in, uh, in Abraham here as he spoke and, and said, they have the, the prophets, they have the scripture, they got the writing of Moses. The Lord was saying, there's plenty of evidence for the world to believe. They've got all the evidence they need. But unfortunately, most of the world is going to choose not to believe. And that's really sad. Let's go back to 1 Kings 18, get a chance to start this chapter a little bit, or willing. 
1 Kings 18, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. So notice the Lord held back the rain here for over three years, and that explains why there is that severe famine in Samaria, because remember, Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. So the Lord had told Elijah, first of all, to go and hide in the last chapter, but now he's telling him to go and present himself, okay? So we get this lesson here. There's a time when the Lord may have us lay low, but there's also a time when the Lord wants us to stand up and to speak for him. And we can pray for boldness and the filling of the Spirit, you know, for when that time comes, prepare us for that. The Lord let Elijah know, too, that he was about to send rain on the earth. He said, go to him because I am going to send rain. So the Lord used Elijah in his prayers here, but it was actually the Lord who was withholding the rain and the Lord who was giving the rain, okay? So Elijah was just being a faithful servant. You know, that's our job as well, just to be a faithful servant. And again, it's beautiful in verse 2 there to see Elijah just obey the Lord, you know? It says he went, <laughs> very simple again. When you think about this, the entire northern kingdom was in rebellion to the Lord. But it's encouraging when we see someone who simply obeys the Lord without question. And again, I hope that can be our testimony too. Verse 3 goes on, And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave. So he even divided them and put them in different places here. And he had fed them with bread and water. It's so interesting here to see this faithful, God-fearing man come into the story, and his name was Obadiah. So even though the large majority of the northern kingdom was in rebellion against the Lord, the Lord still had that faithful remnant there that belonged to him, and followed him. And, and look how brave this Obadiah was. He went against the government there because he feared the Lord so much, and he wanted to serve the Lord and God's people. You know, we're going to need that kind of fear, I'm afraid, pretty soon too here, that fear of the Lord, because we see there's a pretty large wave of wickedness in our own government, you know, and we're going to have to make that choice to fear the Lord more than, than to fear our government. Uh, we know they haven't stopped killing babies yet, have they? So it's not like they're doing all the right things, right? So if they don't care about those precious little babies, you can be sure they don't care about you, and they don't care about the Lord, all right? So we pray, Lord, fill us with the fear of you over the fear of man. And what do you think of Queen Jezebel here? Wow, she tried to completely wipe out any of the prophets of the Lord she could find. This lady was evil to the core. Obadiah here, you know, he's so impressive because he not only hid this large number of prophets, he also made sure they were fed. That's not a one-time deal. That's something you've got to be consistent on doing, right? So that's, pretty, that's quite a feat, especially when you have to secretly pull this off without your evil government finding out. So this guy obviously cares about the Lord, and he cares about God's people. And by the way, the name Obadiah, in case you're wondering, it means worshiper of Yahweh, our servant of Yahweh. And it's so cool because he was both of those. <laughs> Verse 5, we'll go a little bit further here. 
Ahab said to, uh, had said to Obadiah, go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. So the Lord's going to use this circumstance to bring Obadiah to Elijah. The Lord set this whole thing up, you know. Sometimes you think about this, we get upset with our circumstances, you know, but we need to stay alert. I mean, this guy may not have been too thrilled, like, I don't want to do this, you know. I'd rather go take care of God's people here, but I got to do this, okay. But we need to stay alert with whatever circumstances the Lord puts us in. The Lord may have set him up for us to meet some special person in the Lord, because that's what's happening here. Did you notice here, too, that Ahab was more worried about his horses and his mules staying alive than he was about his people who were so drastically affected by this drought? Wow. Warren Wiersbe said that when a, the leaders of a nation have their priorities this messed up, then the people are going to suffer greatly. Unfortunately, we can kind of relate to that, too, can't we? <laughs> it seems like the liberal left is much more concerned about animals than people. And you notice they only use people when they need to to get their agenda across there. They really don't care, <laughs> you know. All right, well, uh, we're going to stop here for uh, this point, I think. Uh, the Lord's got more to show us with Elijah the prophet here. He's quite a man. And this Obadiah in the picture is an amazing fellow, too. So be encouraged. There may be times like Elijah's going to go through thinking that nobody cares about God but me. <laughs> the Lord's going to work that out and show him different. And even in the darkest places, here's this guy, Obadiah, that pops up, and he's, he's willing to serve the Lord fearlessly. Pretty amazing. So uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the lessons you give us from Elijah's life and how he was so obedient to you, Lord. And we just pray, help us to have that quick obedience to you. We pray, Lord, too, for, for folks that you're sending us to. Help us to be sensitive to their needs and and Lord, we may think that you're doing something to work it in our life, but you may be working through us to reach that person. And we just pray, help us not to miss any opportunities like that. Lord, I thank you for our family here that we have in Christ. And we pray for any who may be here or may be watching today that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We ask you, Lord, to soften their heart, help them to see their need for Christ. And if need be, Lord, even put that fear in them to know that the end is coming. And without Jesus, they have no hope. So, Lord, we pray your will be done today, that we pray if anyone is watching that needed to hear that, that they would come to Christ. We thank you for the power of your word, and all glory goes back to you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.